Thank you for listening to this Aspen podcast, highlighting abstracts from the recent Aspen 20 conference. This podcast is brought to us by a grant from Fresenius Cabby. The research discussed in this podcast was accepted as an abstract to the Aspen 20 conference. As Aspen 20 became a virtual conference, we are pleased to now have this opportunity to learn about this research. My name is Michael Christensen. I'm a professor in the Department of Clinical Pharmacy and Translational Science at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center, and I'm director of the Parenteral Nutrition Service at Lavonner Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. I will be interviewing Jennifer Lester, who is a clinical nutrition specialist and Samantha Munford, a clinical pharmacy specialist, on behalf of their colleagues from Nemers DuPont Hospital for Children in Wilmington, Delaware, about their abstract entitled Adherence to Mixed Intravenous Lipid Emulsion Criteria for Parenteral Nutrition in a Level 4 Neonatal Care Unit. I want to make a disclosure and point out that we will be discussing SMOF lipids in neonatal patients. SMOF lipids are not yet approved in the U.S. for the use in children. Our guests will be discussing the process they use to introduce SMOF lipids into their neonatal population who require parenteral nutrition. So let's start by having our guests summarize sort of their study and its findings. So Jennifer and Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about your study? Thank you, Dr. Christensen, for that introduction. Smoth lipid was brought to our hospital formulary in February of 2017, and at this time, we introduced it to our NICU population. Um, at the time, intralipid, or our soy-based IV lipid emulsion, was our first-line IV parenteral nutrition fat source. So we decided to create criteria or indications for the use of SMOF lipid or mixed oil IV lipid emulsion. We vetted our criteria through the nutrition support team. The three criteria we came up with was documented less than 100 centimeters of jejunal ileum, estimated or actual parental nutrition in duration greater than 30 days, and then three documented direct bilirubins levels greater than two. Those on the nutrition support team with us are dietitians, pharmacists, transplant surgeon, intestinal failure physician, and an intestinal failure APN. So once this was vetted through the nutrition support team, it was approved by the pharmacy and therapeutics committee and then um, introduced to the NICU. With our CPOE system, um, we entered those three criteria in for the clinician to select when they ordered the mixed oil IV lipid emulsion. And then after this was done, we decided to look at the adherence to those criteria and to determine if revisions were going to be needed for the restrictions of its use. We looked at the time period of February 2017 through December of 2018. And we used mixed oil IV lipid emulsion through the entire hospital, but we found that the NICU had the highest percentage usage. So we focused solely on the NICU population. And this is where Jennifer and I spend most of our time here at the hospital as well. And what we found was when we looked back at the criteria, about 30% of clinicians were inappropriately selecting the criteria for the mixed oil IV lipid emulsion. And the majority of the time, they were inappropriately selecting the duration of 30 days. So we looked back at those patients, and it seemed to center around those surgical NICU babies that perhaps took off faster than we thought would when they started TPN. 
So we decided we wanted to capture maybe 14 days was more appropriate for our neonatal population to receive the benefits of the mixed oil IV lipid emulsion. So what we found was that often the surgical NICU patients may either have a longer or shorter anticipated time for TPN. So with that, we left the indication of the direct bilirubin and the GI or the intestinal length alone for the criteria for SMOF, but then we um, changed our duration to 14 days as the indication for SMOF. Thank you. I, you know, this is really a timely abstract as a number of children's hospitals around the country or NICU units have either implemented SMOF lipids or are looking at processes on how to implement. And so I think this podcast is timely and in, in your abstract is timely in, in trying to help guide others who are trying to figure out how to use SMOF lipids in their populations. So let's start with some questions here that I have about your unit and about the study. So tell us a little bit more about your NICU at Nemers DuPont Hospital for Children. How many beds, how many practitioners, neonatologists, nurse practitioners are you working with? And sort of what percent of your NICU population are receiving parental nutrition? Great question. So our NICU recently expanded from an 18-bed unit to a 32-bed unit. And as you mentioned earlier, it is a level four NICU. We are in a freestanding pediatric hospital. Our average daily census, while we can hold 32 patients, it's around 24 patients. Um, we have 10 full-time neonatologists. We have nine nurse, neonatal nurse practitioners, and we also have neonatal fellows. The fellows train here and they take one month rotation here and rotate through other hospitals in the area. Our NICU is an outborn unit, so sometimes it's difficult to really capture data through a neonatal lifespan. Um, all the patients are transferred here from other units. However, in September of 2019, a advanced delivery unit was built here at Nemours um, that holds two beds. So our high-risk pregnancies that have a congenital cardiac or other anomaly that are identified perinatally, they can deliver their babies here now. This is, was not available prior to um, last September. Um, and as I mentioned, there are two beds in that unit. For parental nutrition, that really varies. Just as I said earlier, since we are an outborn unit, our census really fluctuates. Um, we can have as many as 2% of our census receiving parental nutrition up to 30% each month. Currently, with our current census of 26 patients, we have 23% of those patients who are receiving parental nutrition. In March of 2014, Samantha and I took over writing parental nutrition for our NICU. Prior to this time, the neonatal fellows, the attendings, or the nurse practitioners would write the order. So now Samantha and I will review the patients in the morning, and we will write the TPN and pend it in EPIC, which is our CPOE. On rounds, we will discuss the changes that we are making, and then following the discussion, the attending, the nurse practitioner, or the fellow will sign off on the TPN. We looked back at this practice, and we reduced errors in our NICU from 22% to 10.8% after Samantha and I had taken over this process. Excellent. So in your study, you ended up identifying 69 patients who were prescribed the mixed oil during your study period. How many total patients during this time did you have that received parental nutrition for any length of time? And then obviously, what percent of those then received SMOF lipids. So during our study period, 2017 
200 NICU patients received TPN, and in 2018, 180 patients received TPN. And of these patients um, in 2017, 16% received SMOF, and then in 2018, 21% received it. So as you can tell, the percentage is increasing, and I think that's just awareness of the benefits of this SMOF. And in 2019, I just kind of took a glance and found that the percentage was even higher. It was closer to 30%. So I know that it's often difficult early in the course of a NICU patient to predict how long they will be on TPN. I can give you an example. In our institution, only about 16% of our total NICU population stay on parenteral nutrition for more than four weeks. So the vast majority are coming off early, but a lot of times it's very difficult to predict. So how early in the course of parental nutrition could a neonatologist choose to indicate that they were going to be expected to be on TBN for more than 30 days, so therefore eligible to get SMOF lipids? Good question. So a clinician can pick as early as day of life, zero to one, that they wanted the patient to receive this MOF lipid emulsion. As you mentioned, it's sometimes difficult to predict a hospital course of a, say, a gastroschisis patient. You think that they may not tolerate feeds and they may be on TPN for one or two months, um, which sometimes can happen. So we try to kind of look forward, but there's been times when we've started a gastroschisis patient on the mixed oil IV lipid emulsion on day of life zero, and within two weeks, they are off off parental nutrition and on full feed. It's very difficult to estimate sometimes. Yeah, it absolutely is. Each patient seems to go in their own time frame, and that's one of the things I've always told the mom. I would predict some patients would be on very short, and they stay on for very long periods of time. And then I have some patients who I never think are going to come off TPN and, and lo and behold, they do this. So it, it is very challenging early in their course to predict. So one of the concerns in this population, as you point out in your abstract, is the development of intestinal failure associated liver disease. Do you know sort of historically what percent of your patients at your institution develop elevated direct bilirubins during long-term prenutrition? So that's really hard to say. Um, as I mentioned, we're an outboard NICU, so sometimes we get patients that are just born, day of life zero to one. Sometimes we get them at 10 weeks of age, and oftentimes they may come to us with um, an elevated direct bilirubin level already. And I think that the mixed oil lipid emulsion is becoming more and more used in other institutions, but there have been often times where we have one of these patients that transferred to us that had been on the soybean oil lipid emulsion prior to coming to our institution, and then we would switch them over to um, SMOF lipid. So it's really hard to say, you know, what percent develop the elevated direct bilirubin levels, because like I said, sometimes they, they come here with the level is already elevated. We also have some patients that um, end up with elevated direct bilirubin levels that are not related to um, long-term parental nutrition either. They may develop an elevated direct bilirubin level within the first week of life for another reason, likely not related to long-term PN usage. And then probably then it's difficult to answer the next question I had, which is if you had any sense as to the impact of SMOF on the development of elevated direct bilirubins uh, as to whether you thought 
your incidence was lower with the implementation in particularly in patients who you expected to be on for an extended period of time where you may have started it prior to the development of an elevated direct bilirubin. Yes, correct. So as you said, it, it is um, still difficult to answer. Our patients are transferring in and out from other NICUs, from other institutions. But what I will say is that prior to SMOF coming to formulary, I feel like we did see a higher number with the intralipid and we were lowering the dose to the one gram per kilo to see what, and we would get some benefit. But of course the babies would not grow as well on this. So we've seen better growth, less, less TPN cholestasis with SMOF. And I think a more current measure of this is the use of Omegavent at, or fish oil lipid emulsion at our facility. We use that for failure for of mixed oil IV lipid emulsion. And in 2017 and 2018, we only had two patients who required to move to this due to conjugated bilirubin levels greater than two. So we are seeing some benefits for sure. Excellent. So you a little bit alluded to some of the current practices where you and Samantha are now directly involved in writing the TPN orders. So has anything else changed at your institution relative to the use of these mixed oil lipid emulsions? And are you still following your modified criteria? Actually, a lot has changed since uh, this review. In May of 2019, as we mentioned in our abstract, that we were proposing to change our criteria from estimated or actual PN duration of 30 days to 14 days or more. When we looked at the data, as we, as we talked about a little bit earlier, a high percentage of these patients who were on it for a minimum of 30 days were also on it for a minimum of 14 days. So we just wanted to provide these patients the benefit of the mixed oil emulsion sooner in their hospital course, not waiting till a month that they have been on TPN to change them over to the SMOF lipid emulsion. And, you know, as more studies have come out showing the benefit of the mixed oil lipid emulsion, um, we have been continuously reviewing them in our nutrition support committee. Recently, we, we reviewed Aspen's IV lipid emulsion consensus that was published in February of this year. And then in May of this year, we proposed to our pharmacy and therapeutics committee, again, another change, and that was to make SMOF lipid our first-line IV lipid emulsion for all patients, not just in the NICU, but hospital-wide. So it would be the first choice for any patient who is on parental nutrition. We do still have intralipid or the soybean lipid emulsion here for any patient that would have a fish allergy or there be any indication where they there's a compatibility issue. Since SMOF is, is relatively new, there's not a lot of data with medication compatibility. So there may be an occasion where we would want to use intralipid for a patient at maybe a reduced or lower dose. But that's been our biggest recent change since our abstract has been accepted. Excellent. Uh, we followed a very similar process to yours at your institution and found some of the same things. We tried to implement it on a restricted basis initially to gain some experience. And we also found that our neonatologists were prescribing it sort of outside of the criteria. Uh, and we also have gone as of two years ago, to a sole SMOF lipid institution. And the only thing we have also kept our intralipid for is the data using it as a rescue agent for some drug overdoses is with intralipids. So we've decided to keep that on in our pharmacy in case we have a drug overdose that 
lipids can be used as a rescue agent. So are there any other comments or issues you have regarding your study or your practice? Overall, I think this has been great learning for our entire institution. I think that Samantha and I, once we took over writing parental nutrition in the NICU, um, and we are members of our nutrition support committee, we are the co-chairs of it. I think we've tried to do a lot of education and standardization of the TPN writing process here in our institution. And we've tried to provide a lot of education to everyone about the different types of IV lipid. And I think that it's just been a good learning opportunity over the years for the better of our patients. Also, Samantha and I just wanted to give a thanks to Dr. Lynn Fuchs, one of our neonatologists here. She was a contributor on this research study and a co-investigator. She has played a very big part in our NICU nutrition committee over the years and is a proponent for nutrition in our unit. Fantastic. Thank you, Jennifer and Samantha, for joining us today. We would also like to thank Fresenius Cabby for providing us the opportunity to discuss your research. And as always, thank you to our audience for listening to this Aspen podcast. That's all for this episode. Please return to the Aspen channel of SoundCloud often to listen to our newest podcast. To support what we do, please share, subscribe, and leave a review over on SoundCloud. Thank you.